gonemobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Telerik UI for Xamarin is a collection of more than 70 Xamarin forms and Xamarin wrappers. A theming mechanism with a built-in predefined theme, predefined Visual Studio item templates, MVVM support, and more. The toolset offers fast loading, excellent drawing capabilities, pixel perfection, and stunning UI, all while providing flexible customization. One C-sharp project, three native mobile apps. Release your inner .NET Ninja and create awesome cross-platform mobile apps with Telerik UI for Xamarin. For more information or to download a trial, visit Telerik.com slash Xamarin dash Gone Mobile. Welcome back to another episode of Gone Mobile. How are you doing today, John? Oh, I'm pretty good. I'm just about to go on vacation here, so I'm glad we could squeeze in one more uh, episode before that. Oh, yeah, just in time. Where are you headed? Oh, just south of the border. Go check out some West Virginia, uh, you know, mountains and, and cottage life, I guess. Oh, I, I would think that you'd want to stay north of the border these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, just to kind of keep current with, with what's going on, we, we kind of tend to invade every once in a while. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but anyway, I, we don't need to, to belabor this with, with a long intro. We've got a, a, a well-known guest on the show who, who has lots of things to do today, so we might as well just get into it. But uh, we're excited to, to welcome uh, none other than David Ortnow back to the show to, to talk about what else, but what's new with Xamarin Forms. What's up, David? Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, you know, John, it seems like every time I, I see you and talk to you, you're headed on another vacation. What's the deal? Well, you know, just trying to keep pace with you. Well, yeah, I don't take vacations. That's the problem. <laughs> so I, I need to learn from you. I need to learn from the master on how to schedule these things and actually uh, unplug from work. That Microsoft vacation policy must be good. Yeah, <laughs> we have a great vacation policy. I never get any grief when I say, hey, I want to take some time off. But uh, it's a personal issue. I think I, I'm so invested in in what we're doing and I love it so much. You know, Coming from being an MVP, I guess, it's ingrained in you to be somewhat passionate about the work that you're doing. Well, if we didn't have you on the show so much, and, and you know, we we're, we're talking about like you've been on the show a few times, and it actually has been almost a year already since we last had you. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago. Um, but, you know, we have to come up with like uh, yeah. new titles for the, the episodes like, you know, we're making David come talk to us again. <laughs> so we'll, yeah, we haven't quite like figured this one out. It, you know, it has been about a year, I guess, and um, maybe more than a year and a half since I started doing the gig. And uh, it certainly feels like it's been a long time uh, in many respects, but uh, I'll talk to other people and, and mention, you know, it's been about a year and a half. And they're like, oh, what? I thought you've been doing this for like three, four years. And I'm like, no. Yeah, it hasn't been that long. At least not officially. Not officially. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we 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 had build, you know, earlier this year in May, uh, which also seems like forever ago, but it wasn't that long ago. And in build, you know, there was some definitely some new Xamarin Forms announcements and stuff. Yeah. Can you just kind of maybe walk us through um, some of the newer things that since the last time we talked to you and and like what's what's the state of the world of Xamarin Forms right now? Sure, absolutely. So <clears throat> at build this year, we released Xamarin Forms three which is a pretty substantial release for us, which you know the version number should uh, reflect that. And uh, the big highlights from that release are uh, it's .NET Standard 2.0, um, so that certainly requires some some focus and and, and mention. Uh, that means that uh, you're going to want to have the latest version of .NET Standard, or um, excuse me, .NET Framework installed. So I think 4.1, or sorry, 4.7.1 or greater, something like that. I don't know what the current versions are there now. Um, but the reason that's important is you want to make sure you have all the latest build tasks. And what we've noticed is uh, there's some nice performance improvements from that. So certainly always looking for anywhere that we can get performance boosts. 
um, in terms of runtime, uh, Android uh, cold start, um, you know, just normal uh, build times and those sorts of things. Um, and then from a feature standpoint, <clears throat> we've got, uh, let's see if I can remember off the top of my head what those things are. So Visual State Manager. And the reason it's hard to remember is we've got so much going on right now, right? Um, so we've got Visual State Manager, which for those coming from other XAML um, frameworks will be a familiar thing for you. Um, we've got Flex Layout and CSS, which are uh, wonderfully uh, received well. Uh, everybody seems to like those. Uh, now, I say everybody seems to like it, and, and you're chuckling, but... Um, yeah, the CSS feedback initially when we announced that there was something we were interested in doing, people were like, oh, you know, you, you're letting the web developers invade our space and um, we don't really need this. What's the deal? Why are you uh, maybe replacing XAML styles and things like that? And it is completely optional. Um, you, you opt into it if, if it's something that you like and helps you be productive and you want to start benefiting from some of the other uh, productivity things from a web development standpoint, such as SAS or less. Um, that's certainly available to you now. And so you can introduce variables into your styling and, and all the different mix-ins and things like that. That uh, you know, As long as those properties and things are supported within Xamarin Forms, uh, that's available to you. But it's just another front end onto our existing styling APIs. So um, I, yeah. I kind of like, I, I love the idea of CSS and I'm not even really a web developer, but like I, I know there was things in the past that let you kind of do a similar CSS with controls and stuff like that. Now, I think like one of the main criticisms and one of the um, fears when I first heard about it was that like, hey, is this going to be like kind of really slow? Um, like, can you speak to how how that's actually implemented? Just, you know, I, I think that probably helps settle some of this too for developers. Uh, yeah. So currently it is parsed at runtime. Um, so, uh, you know, but it is just a very quick parse where we haven't noticed any performance hits from it. Um, depending on how much styling you're doing with it. I mean, uh, you know, that's certainly something to watch out for. And we are, we are definitely watching out for it. And we're talking about how we can make that a, a build time uh, thing. But uh, we also have a lot of customers that come to us and say, hey, um, we want to be able to, for example, load XAML at runtime. Um, whether you're loading it from uh, a data store online or, or whatever. Um, for the flexibility, maybe it's a white label app or something like that. And CSS starts to kind of fall into that category as well. Um, so currently it is uh, a runtime parse situation. It is parsed to uh, the existing styling uh, APIs that we you know, already have in Xamarin Forms. Um, so it, uh, but you know, in, in our tests uh, with, with you know, medium-sized apps, I can't say that we've tested with larger size apps just yet, um, but the feedback that we've heard is that uh, performance is not a concern. Uh, people enjoy it. Um, but again, it is completely optional. Um, so you can have XAML C enabled and, and, and get all the compiling love that you want from your XAML. Um, and then your your CSS is parsed. And, and of course, you have, you know, CSS is cascading styles, right? So uh, understanding how um, your XAML style and your CSS style and your on-control uh, on styling all override one another and in what order they are parsed is certainly something uh, to be aware of as you are mixing and matching. In my, in my samples and in, in my demos and things like that, um, I tend to mix and match uh, where it, it makes the most sense for me. Um, so, you, you know, <laughs> you mentioned, you know, you had some concerns when you first saw it. Certainly a lot of other people have had concerns. The feedback since it's been released and people have been using it uh, has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, some of the concerns have been more in terms of strategy. What does that mean for uh, XAML and XAML-related things? Um, 
but uh, you know we are undiminished in our support of XAML. Uh, it still is the most popular way that people want to do uh, UI development with Xamarin Forms and cross-platform uh, .NET development. And so uh, we will continue to uh, support and invest in that for sure. Uh, you know, we have some things coming up. I'm kind of jumping ahead now, but we're we've got XBind coming up, uh, which has uh, been started, and uh, we hope to be able to release. We plan to be able to release later this year, um, and so that's very exciting. Uh, I, I already mentioned the Visual State Manager, so our investments on the XAML side continue and will continue. Um, but we do recognize that there are others out there that are doing you know, C-sharp coded UI and things like that. Um, I, I personally just did an app uh, on the side recently to explore the experience of using C-sharp coded UI. Because actually, before I joined Zam, uh, Microsoft <laughs> and before I started doing um, Xamarin Forms very heavily, obviously, um, I was primarily Xamarin iOS, Xamarin Android. Uh, I also did plenty of Swift and Java. So I've got a variety of experience in those other UI frameworks and, and doing things quite differently. Um, I, I almost exclusively did coded UI, um, even when I was doing iOS and Android. On Android, I would occasionally use the uh, AXML and uh, and designers and things like that. Um, and on, on Xcode, I would get into the storyboards and nib files and whatnot. Um, but I did a lot of coded UI. So I, I, I think that's a, a great experience. A lot of people like it. And, you know, now that I'm a program manager that wants to support uh, developers that are, you know, being productive doing what they're doing, I have to kind of consider the whole landscape now. And my personal preference can't always be, you know, the deciding factor. And, and mm -hmm. you know, actually, it generally can never be the deciding factor. <laughs> um, so I'm constantly look, doing, doing user research, talking to customers, finding out what's being useful to them. And those are the things. And, and you know, we also do lab research. Actually, later today, I'm going to be watching people in a lab setting using our products and finding out what are the stumbling blocks? What are they cutting themselves on? What are they being successful doing um, so that we can provide a better story moving forward? And so very data driven. Um, I, you know, I had two sessions yesterday in the lab. I've got at least two scheduled today. Um, that's how we're making decisions these days. And so the things that you're seeing in 3.0 and 3.1, um, a lot of data is driving those things. We're talking to a lot of customers, finding out their real world needs. And, and we're also looking forward. So that's where, that's where you're seeing Flex Layout, CSS, Visual State Manager, XBind, all coming from is uh, we're, we're continuing to improve our ability to understand uh, where we can make the most, you know, we bring the most value to customers um, and, and the people using our tools and technology. And uh, yeah, so so th that's a lot of what build uh, and the 3.0 release was for us. And of course, we've got 3.1 that's been released since then, um, which kind of uh, leads us into F100, um, which I think you guys have heard of. What do you know of F100? I'll, I'll, I'll ask you that first. I'm only familiar with F50 personally, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry. see, F100 is better. There's, you know, 100 is better than 50, right? It's, it's twice as many Fs, right? That's right. It is. It is. So, uh, so real quickly, I'll, I'll give the, the overview of the F100 um, and the F150. So these are the, the 150 or 100 little things that kind of cut you on a regular basis when you're using Xamarin and Xamarin Forms in, in particular. So whether it's how do I find that cross-platform plugin uh, that might be hard to find, which is a lot of what you, John, uh, have been participating in, and, and Xamarin Essentials is kind of the fruit of that. Um, so you don't have to go looking for all those disparate little plugins and things that uh, that are, have been very useful and are kind of essential toolkit things to a Xamarin uh, successful developer. Um, and now they're all in one package, one 
quite honestly, very handy and easy to use package. Um, I've used it myself in a couple of projects now. And then on the forum side, uh, you know, it's like, hey, why do I have to write a custom renderer or a custom effect to be able to achieve these things? And why do I have to go find a separate library to be able to do this UI thing? So that's if you go up to our GitHub for Xamarin Forms and you see that F100 tag, uh, those are the things that we're trying to solve and, and we're, we're addressing. So 3.1 release for us was, I think I counted 16 of those. Uh, a really good example is being able to do bottom tab bar navigation in a Android application. So that's a common UI pattern that people have been asking for for quite a while. And, you know, the community certainly stepped up and provided uh, their own solutions to that. Um, floating action button is another one that's in there that we haven't uh, addressed and released yet, but we're certainly looking at how we how we want to do that. Um, but those kinds of things, it's like, hey, we need to be able to support these modern patterns or, uh, you know, customizing entries and buttons and things like that. How, you know, how do we get those properties available to us? Um, so that's what uh, 3.1 includes a lot of. There are more of those things coming. So I'll certainly put the call back out to the community since we have a podcast here that gets you know plenty of listeners. If you, if you have things that uh, you are doing on a regular basis that you're like, why isn't this just part of Xamarin Forms? Why isn't this not just part of Xamarin SDKs? Let's do that. Um, let us know. Uh, open up something on our GitHub issues uh, and we'll tag it with the F100 and we'll certainly consider it, put it in the backlog and, and see if it's something that uh, garners a lot of attention. Because if it's something that a lot of people are struggling with, um, then we need to address that. And actually, if you don't mind, I'll loop back to my previous statement about how we're making decisions. Um, <clears throat> we did quite a bit of surveying and talking to customers about what are you, what are you writing a lot of custom renderers, platform renderers for that you don't think you should have to? Um, what are the things that are frustrating you? And we surveyed. Uh, we did a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations. Um, and then Adam Pedley, one of our awesome community contributors over the years, uh, also had his own survey that he did via Twitter and his blog. And so we sourced a lot of that data, pulled it all together. And that's where we, we came up with our initial list of things to start addressing. Um, so it's, it's definitely, uh, it, and I actually, I should probably give a huge shout out to the broader community as well. Um, a lot of these F100s that are now being released and shipped are community contributed. Um, so we're certainly working together with uh, other contributors, but uh, this is not, uh, you know, it's not Microsoft doing all this work. Um, it, we're taking in a lot of PRs and working to get those things in. So uh, this could not have been done to date without that awesome contribution from those individual contributors uh, outside of Microsoft. So uh, it's, that's, you know, that's great to see the vibrancy of the community. Um, and I don't know, I mean, you guys have been around in and around Xamarin and obviously John's on the inside now, but Greg, maybe your perspective. <laughs> I mean, when you look back over a year, two years, three years, um, what have you seen in terms of like growth and community participation in these repositories? Because you remember when it wasn't as open source as it is now, right? Yeah, I mean, for for most of its life, Mono was the only part of it that was open source, right? Or and Mono developed until that became mostly closed source for the the Visual Studio variant of it. Um, I mean, from from my perspective, it's been pretty amazing to watch, and you know, especially in uh, you know, at least back when I was in New York running the user group after after the acquisition and after the open sourcing and all that stuff, there was definitely a, a noted uptick in community engagement and people. You know, whether it was like a sense of legitimacy of, of this thing that had been sort of on their periphery or or whatever. I mean, it's a 
it, it was a noted improvement and watching the, you know, just going to, to GitHub and looking at the repositories and the action, um, you know, it, it's pretty amazing to watch. And, and you actually stolen the, the next question I was actually kind of gearing up to ask in my head, which was, I, I was curious what sort of percentage of like these sort of F100 features or even forms features in general these days are being actively contributed back from the community instead of just sort of opened as issues from the community. And it sounds like it's a pretty good ratio there. Uh, it is. I don't actually have uh, hard numbers on that. Uh, perhaps that's something we should go back and kind of uh, pull some data on. Um, but certainly, uh, they have been driven by, and uh, I've been working with uh, several community contributors to say, "Hey, who wants to work on this? Who has maybe a library or a third, you know, their own thing that they can just you know bring in?" And in some cases, it's been, "Hey, I did the iOS and the Android." Because actually, I did a I did a survey earlier in the year and said, "Hey, what are you writing? And did you open a PR to contribute it to Xamarin Forms?" And almost to a person, uh, the people who responded said, "I didn't. I didn't open a PR." And generally, it was because, hey, I only needed the iOS and the Android. I didn't do the UWP. Or you know, I did the UWP. I didn't do you know, XYZ. And so what we've seen is that sometimes it's two and three contributors that are coming in to, on some of these PRs. And we're encouraging people to, to you know, bring what they have and then get somebody else to, to contribute the other pieces to it. So I know that in some cases, uh, you know, we had the iOS and the Android come from uh, community contributors, and then somebody on the forms team was like, oh, I could just do the, the UWP part real easy, and was able to complete that PR, and then we were able to get it merged. And certainly we want to have that, um, especially on these UI controls, we want to have that platform uh, consistency. Um, and, you know, some people are starting to ask now, well, what about Tizen and, and WPF, right? And, uh, and Linux with the GDK Sharp. And uh, those are still primarily community supported. And, uh, and Mac OS is in there as well. Um, and then Samsung is, you know, a huge contributor and, and the primary contributor on the Tizen stuff. And they are just all over that. I mean, they're doing an amazing job pushing that stuff forward. Now they've got uh, wearable support. I don't know if you guys have been tracking that stuff, but it's almost enough to make me want to set my Garmin down and, and go find myself a Tizen wearable. You know, it's like I keep asking them like, hey, you guys want to send me a watch? You know, what's going on? Uh, <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. You know, you don't you don't kind of get those favors uh, anyway, but is there is there a minimum baseline then of platforms to support like you said that there's i mean obviously ios android uwp i imagine are kind of the core three but then you have mac wpf um gtk and uh, tizen and all of those you know is there a minimum subset of those that have to be met before you're willing to kind of take uh, a contra a feature yeah. into the the mainstream xamarin forms yeah, uh, repo? I, yeah, I think it still needs to be those three. And so this kind of goes to focus and strategy, right? If we're not focused on what we do well and what people are coming to us to do, um, then we're going to deliver a subpar product to people. And we can't, we just cannot do that. So the, the key value proposition for Xamarin Forms is iOS, Android, UWP. And so we are definitely looking for those three. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, if you come and you PR something that doesn't have one of those, that it's going to be discarded out of hand. Um, we'll certainly work to fill either the, the other holes 
Or if that particular control is like, hey, there is just nothing for that on one of these other platforms. iOS maybe has done something so unique um, and we need to have a story there, but uh, we, we don't have it somewhere else. You know, those are all conversations that we want to entertain and have. So it's it's certainly fantastic that we have these other backends. Um, what, we, what we refer to as backends uh, for Mac OS Linux. I know the whole backend conversation, you know, it's like, what does that term really mean? And then how is it used? Uh, but isn't it really a front end? Yeah. Well, like, you know, I, I it never, feels I really like that, never right? understood that. <laughs> I know it feels like that. Well, the thing is, is right, if you consider how you interact with them, the front piece that you interact with is the Xamarin Forms layer. And so these other platforms sit behind it. And I think that's where the, the, the terminology comes from. If I had to really uh, try to explain it with my English degree background, um, because from it's a communication standpoint, it is still, it's frustrating for me. And, and I'm sure it's frustrating for people when they start hearing us talk about stuff. Um, and so, no, I mean, know, we're programmers. We like to argue semantics. That's really all it is. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, so I, I'm, I'm curious with the, like, what do, what do you think about uh, Apple's announcement about, you know, the UI kit stuff coming? over to Mac OS and, and how do you think that's going to shape the direction of Xamarin Forms? Right. Um, so it's definitely interesting. Um, I think there's still a lot to be learned as we see things play out. Um, as you know, you know, uh, when Apple announces stuff, when any major company announces stuff at a big conference like that, you kind of step back and consider what that means for the larger landscape and you see what the developer adoption is on it. Um, so, you know, that kind of really ties into this whole conversation about, uh, the backends for Xamarin Forms. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to focus on what we know developers are trying to use on a regular basis or are using on a regular basis and where they're getting the most value from our product. And if we suddenly see a huge uptick in Mac OS, Linux, WPF, we'll certainly consider what that means and how we would, uh, you know, put additional resources and focus to them. Um, but until we see that uh, from the community and how people are, are chasing it, uh, we're not going to do that. So it's kind of the same thing with the UI kit stuff on Mac OS. Certainly from a, a Xamarin um, iOS standpoint, we're going we're gonna to look at that very closely and consider how we want to do that. And I now have new responsibilities across all the mobile SDKs for Xamarin um, to, to kind of consolidate those stories and make sure that we're all working together. Um, so I, while Xamarin Forms is still the primary focus, that's because that's what the majority of our, our users are telling us they want to use and they want to be successful with. Um, so I think the iOS team, the Mac OS team uh, will will. Yeah, I know they already are. We're talking about what we need to do with that and, and what level of support, et cetera. Um, but we're going to make decisions based on user demand and user need. And uh, we'll lead and we'll make those things available. Um, but we're watching very closely um, what people want to do with it and what they are doing with it. So, so you know, switching gears a little bit here, um, one of the other things that is seems to be happening in the Xamarin Forms world is this whole idea of this material shell, and I've I've seen this mentioned a few places, and I'm wondering if you can kind of get into what what this means, who's this for, you know, what is this thing? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, that that's a, a big question I had when I first started hearing the term shell. It was to me, it was even more obscure than backend. Um, yeah. So uh, when, when I was out, there, as I have talked to many customers, um, actually any customer that I talk to, my conversation will almost always include the question, hey, when you're building cross-platform UI, 
what are your design objectives? Uh, do you need the UI to look the same on all, all platforms? Um, or are you okay with it being iOS on iOS, Android on Android, UWP on UWP, et cetera, et cetera? Very unique to those platforms with some level of consistency. But um, So that's the, that's the question I ask. And the answer I get back most often, you know, 75 to 80% of the time is that uh, developers have the need, generally it's a per project basis, but they have the need for it to look the same. Um, and, uh, you know, so then the question becomes, well, how much the same, like exactly pixel, you know, quote unquote, pixel perfect or, um, or with some slight variations to cater to the platforms. And, uh, for the most part, we want to make it as easy as possible for you to choose that for yourself, that by default, you can have the same UI on every platform. Um, you know, related to that, the feedback we got, I, I actually, I was just talking to a customer the other day that unfortunately I can't tell you who they were, but they have a large uh, team, like six Xamarin teams. And they have uh, one app in particular that reaches out to like 55,000 users on a daily basis. And uh, they said, hey, we chose Xamarin Forms to do this so that we got the cross-platform benefits, et cetera, et cetera. But where it really broke down for us and we struggled and had to invest a lot of effort in was making the UI consistent across platforms. That's a common story. I hear it all the time. So what Material Shell and uh, by extension, other shell uh, implementations, so a iOS biased shell, um, one that I would consider to be a Xamarin biased shell, a Xamarin biased shell would be one that actually gives you iOS on iOS, Android on Android, but gives you some additional styling to make that a bit easier. Um, so the approach with these things is, is, I'll say twofold, but there's a lot more benefits to it than this. So the shell gives you, uh, by default, a material theme on iOS, Android, UWP. So you can then choose to diverge from that UI consistency as needed. Whereas the experience you have today, right, when you do a file new Xamarin Forms project, it's completely the opposite. You've diverged by default, and you need to spend time unifying it to your to meet your needs. Um, so we want to we want to go from the other direction, or provide an option to go from the other direction that makes it a whole lot easier for you. The second thing that Shell provides is a top-down architectural look at your application, so that you can define what that app looks like. You're like, hey, I need you know four pages. I need the tabs to be positioned here. Maybe I need top and bottom tabs. Uh, I want the styling to be this way. And you're able to do it from a top-down perspective that is very concise. Um, so you have a shell XAML file, and you specify those different sections and content pages, and you specify how you want a flyout navigation or a tab navigation, or both working together. And uh, you can you can have that one file and just look at it and know exactly how your app is going to be constructed. Now, by providing this new container for your app, uh, it provides a couple of benefits to us. First of all, uh, we're able to uh, address some key performance areas, uh, in particular with Android. So if you take a look at the uh, shell example that I have of my GitHub, and I'll provide you guys with the link. Um, but if you search uh, David Ortnow and gastropods, gastropods are a classification of shells. Uh, which you, you probably didn't know, but I was looking for a clever name for my project. Um, so if you look at this and you run it on Android and you look at the overdraw, it should be zero. 
Um, so we've been able to address a, a significant overdraw issue that has been around for a while with Xamarin Forms. And so that's great. Um, there are some other key benefits within Android that we've been able to address uh, specifically, but it benefits iOS as well in terms of allocations and, and you know fast paths and things like that from a code standpoint. Um, one of the other major benefits with uh, having this new container is uh, we're able to address some of the difficulties with customizing um, the, the navigation area of your application, right? Uh, it's been traditionally hard or difficult, or you have to create custom renders to override things like your back behavior, the back button itself, the, the icon that appears, uh, left, right icons, and getting those things all work together. Um, for example, uh, there's also this new UI search bar controller, I believe is, is what it is on iOS. Um, but you know, the search mechanisms that kind of interact with that navigation bar and need to work in concert together um, and need to work in concert also with the, the, the list or the, the, the results that you're displaying. Um, those uh, kind of harder problems to solve can be done today with Xamarin Forms, um, but with Material, we're able to bring those things together and deal with them more easily. Now, uh, the key thing to note is that uh, other than shell and some of the uh, container elements, <clears throat> everything within it is, is, is traditional Xamarin Forms. So it's a content page, you have entries and labels, et cetera, et cetera. So we're not introducing new uh, new paradigms all the way down the, the, U, the UI tree. Um, so you can actually, you would be able to migrate things into a shell architected application um, and they should just work. Now, because they're hosted within a shell, there are some things that they're going to begin to benefit from. Um, so for for example, I mentioned that from a top-down standpoint, you can describe how you want it to be styled. You want your app to be material, um, and, and you want that consistency across iOS, Android, and UWP, um, and other platforms as they're supported. Um, what we're able to do is because those controls are aware that they're being hosted within a shell, they can, uh, they can adapt to a new rendering um, basically. And so we have a sister uh, specification to the uh, shell that is called drawing. And so we are going to introduce the ability for you to choose how you want your UI to be rendered. Do you want it to be drawn um, per control? Or do you want it to use, you know, UI button and button and, and you know, UI text field and things like that? Um, and you can choose that on a per control per page basis. So the control is completely in your hands. But if you adopt shell and you adopt a consistent theme, then you're going to opt directly into the fast drawing that we are going to provide. And that drawing is going to be um, still native drawing on each platform. We haven't committed to exactly how the drawing is going to be achieved, um, but if you want to uh, see what we're thinking right now, and we haven't begun any work on the drawing side of things. So when you go experience the shell stuff that I have done, it's very early preview. We definitely need tons of feedback from people on it. Um, but yes, yeah, so the drawing hasn't begun yet at all, but you can kind of get a flair, uh, flavor for what it's going to look like or what we're thinking it's going to look like. Uh, up on GitHub, we have a drawing spec listed in the issues. Just search for drawing. You'll totally find it. Lots of conversation there already. And we're hearing from, from quite a few people that are saying, you know, Shell is definitely going to be a productivity thing. We're excited about it. It solves key problems and frustrations that we may have today. But the drawing thing, people are really quite excited about that. 
Um, it's not. Is that uh, is that like pixel perfect drawing? Is that what we're going to get out of that, or or what is it exactly? Right. So it's going to be very consistent drawing, but because it's still per platform, um, there may still be some variation. You know, I mean, until we get there, it's going to be hard to know exactly what we're what we're achieving with it. Um, but that is the goal. The goal is is that. Uh, we're addressing that primary customer feedback concern or goal that I need to have consistency between iOS and Android. You know, in some situations, like the customer stories that I hear are, hey, um, our users are uh, perhaps elderly and, and we have a customer support that are supporting these this broad uh, group of, of customers. And uh, we really need that UI to be consistent so that when they call in and they say, hey, I'm clicking something or I'm touching something in the upper right-hand corner, that we know exactly what that thing is and there's no question about it and it's not ios or android specific etc cetera, etc cetera. um and that you know our our touch points are all exact you know as exact as possible and things like that so you know i've worked consulting for a long time and the pixel perfect conversation is always a, a troublesome one um so you know you know it's uh having a ui that is flexible to the screen sizes and uh, is as close as you can get without sacrifices, um, I think is a more appropriate goal than demanding pixel perfect. And in terms of, you know, again, customers that I've spoken with one-on-one and, you know, we'll, we can certainly validate this further with additional uh, conversations and surveys. Um, pixel perfect is perhaps an unachievable goal or at least one that has a, a large diminishing return on value. Um, so, you know, those are certainly things that we're considering. So it sounds like at least at a high conceptual level, the, this has some parallels to, to like what you're seeing over in, in products like Flutter, right? Where they're, they're basically just doing a big skia canvas and not even bothering with uh, the underlying, you know, like a UI search bar or whatever, like you mentioned, um, is, is the, the difference here that, that in Xamarin forms with these shells that you can sort of. You can kind of compose a mixture of, you know, canvas and native controls and opt in and out on a per control basis. Then Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, the, the core value proposition for Xamarin has always been that we uh, we enable you to create a very native experience on each platform. Um, and so we don't want to go away from that. And actually, I heard some concern from from people in the community that were like, hey, we hear you're doing this drawing thing. We hear you're doing this shell thing. I don't like it because you're taking away my ability to do native controls. And I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I've over-messaged the value of the drawing stuff. Um, we are absolutely not going to dilute what we what we truly believe is important about Xamarin, that you can create an iOS experience that is unique to iOS and an Android experience unique to Android with the native controls. So we feel like at this point, the best solution that we can provide to address the concerns, and you know, as I've mentioned, is is the ability to mix and match as you choose. Um, so, you know, I think that for for those who want a fully drawn thing, I mean, you can do that today. You can go completely Skia. You could go Cocos 2D. You can go Unity. And I've seen customers do that that have crafted their own Unity drawn cross platform with Xamarin. You know, and and so that's certainly possible. I think that's um, perhaps hard. <laughs> Um, and, but, you know, also I, I will mention real quick that, you know, we have certainly been exploring what other things we can do. So it's not like we've, we've, we've drawn a line in the sand here and said, we're only doing this and we're not considering anything else. All options are on the table as long as they, they bring the most value without that diminishing return. You know, it's, it's that 
it's that you know thing that we have to continually weigh back and forth. What's going to do the best for our customers, for those who are choosing Xamarin as their platform, what's going to serve them the best? No, it's all it's all drawing canvases and CSS now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I put my customer hat on for a minute too, I think like this makes a lot of sense to me. And 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 to, you know, to be honest, I haven't really followed a lot of the the material shell up closely and the drawing spec and stuff from you know the internal side. So I'm uh, stepping into the customer role here. You know, with the app that I make. Um, you know, I target Android and iOS and UWP, and I'm kind of happy that controls look a little bit native to each platform in general. But like, I can even think of you know one specific case where I had to like do custom renders for my this entry control that I I did want to look the same on mm-hmm. each platform. And so you know, something like this gives me the opportunity to say like, let's make that one material or or whatever and make it look the same on each platform and not have to deal with it. So I, I you know, the customer side of me is really excited for this ability to kind of mix and match the you know, the, the sameness on each platform with the uniqueness where I want it. Yeah. And I, and I think, as I mentioned, we've, we've done quite a bit of interviewing and surveying on this. Uh, it's not a, it's not an all or, or nothing thing, right? It's, I might have one project where I need iOS and Android to be very unique and I'll have another project right behind it where it needs to be consistent. And I want to be able to use the same tools, the same APIs, Etc. to be able to do that so that I'm being productive as a developer, but I'm able to deliver the most value to my customers. You know, for, for 10 plus years before I joined Microsoft, I ran my own development shop um, and I serviced a lot of creative agencies, startups, uh, a little bit of enterprise as well. And, you know, the, the demands of each project are different. Um, there are some similarities, but uh, it seems like that is unchanged. As I talked to consultants and freelancers, um, that that is uh, fairly unchanged um, in terms of what y- you need to be able to do to deliver value to your customers. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm certainly a fan of that. And uh, but you know s- things are certainly far from done. So as we continue down this path with shell and drawing, and uh, feedback needs to continue to flow in. And so uh, I'll be putting out more surveys. I'll be conducting more interviews. Hey, maybe we'll put this thing in the lab and see if people are able to be productive constructing applications both quickly and with high fidelity with them. Um, and and so, as people are using it, I'll put the call back out there. Uh, let me know what you're what you're dealing with. Uh, shoot me an email, post to the GitHub, whatever you're comfortable doing. But uh, you know, let us know what you're thinking. Is it working for you? Are you being productive? Is it solving your problems? Yeah, and the, your co- comment there offhand of you know what what level of fidelity can you achieve with this sort of thing, I think is an interesting one because uh, one of the benefits that you see in a lot of these other platforms that do um, take a stronger stance towards you know whether it's pixel perfect or not is 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 a, an, another question, but just taking a stronger t- stance towards consistency and more control over drawing on these platforms is the the tie-in that you start to get with a lot of designer tools gets a whole lot more strong and and powerful, right? Um, which I'm sure you're well aware of. I, I can remember going back to the first, uh, I think it was the first Evolve, which was five years ago now, I think, where, where you gave like a whole talk on a whole bunch of like design tools and, and things like that. And, you know, being on a team like ours, where we're, we're working closely with designers and going back and forth, there's always a big divide between the design tool and then needing to translate that over into 
actual software development. So anything that breaks down that barrier is hugely powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, CSS, I think, plays directly into the, the benefit of those tools because uh, Photoshop, for example, has plugins. Illustrator has plugins. Then you go look at things like Sketch or Figma or uh, a lot of those prototyping and design tools. They uh, will output CSS for you. Some of them will output SAS and LESS for you. Um, and then if you uh, go over to Zeppelin, <clears throat> Uh, which is kind of a middleman that you can uh, upload your designs into and then create some very easy to download assets for developers who don't want to get into the design tools. Um, you start to actually have some pretty cool uh, Xamarin and Xamarin Forms integrations there as well that will not only provide to you CSS, but will also provide XAML styles to you. You can just copy those and put them right into your solution. So I'll dig that link up and provide it to you so you can put it in the show notes because that's a really cool one that I've been watching over the past couple of months. It's relatively new. But yeah, being able to now bring those workflow tools, those design tools into your, your solutions, uh, you're going to be more easily able to create better looking, um, more easily, high, high fidelity to the designs. Because I don't know about you, but I used to spend so much time back and forth with the design teams trying to make sure they were happy with what we were delivering. Um, and that ended up being, in some cases, a large portion of the the budget of our projects you know so anything that we can do to get designers closer to the end result and uh, reduce the friction there I think is 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 very helpful for a lot of teams and a lot of projects it also just takes away a whole part of like the crappier part of that conversation that I felt like the inevitably all those conversations led to like well these design tools make it really easy to slap these things together and have all these fancy animations and transitions and this and that um, and then it's like, oh, well, that's like three months of work <laughs> if I want to get that done on iOS and maybe another couple months if I want to do that on Android. So so even for for things like that, being able to to take that out of the equation is is just really, really oh, nice. Absolutely. And, and it allows developers to focus more on the value that they bring strongly to a project. And it kind of, as I mentioned, brings brings more of the creative designer teams more closely into the project. So blurs those lines on, you know, some big handoff of a design comp and then who knows what happens after that, right? So there's one more big ticket item on my list of things that I knew that we wanted to ask you about, and that is uh, List View 2. Mm. So, you know, that you guys got quite a bit of stuff going on and this one seems to be like another pretty uh, big item. Can you describe what this is and, you know, why, what's wrong with list view one? <laughs> what's wrong with list view one? Well, sequels are always better, right? <laughs> oh boy. Um, I, I don't, yeah. So first of all, you know, if you just go look at the GitHub issues that we have and you look at the common controls that they're reported against, list view is a, a big culprit. And if you look at the code base and you, you get to, you, you quickly understand why that might be. Um, it is a core part of most experiences that people have with an application. You're, you're generally going to use a list view in there somewhere. And, uh, and it's a lot of code, and it's been around since the, the beginning. So it, it, uh, it warrants some, uh, some love. So I, I don't think we're actually calling it ListView 2 anymore, are we? Are we calling it Collection View? I think we're calling it Collection View. Oh, is that what it is now? Okay, great. But, you know, hey. That's another overloaded name. I know, name. I know. So, <laughs> what was, well, I think we had some other internal names, which shouldn't be mentioned publicly. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that it's, it's a common control. It's core to a lot of mobile experiences, and it, and it needs to be addressed. And so we're going to introduce this new control. 
that will be highly performant. Um, some of the key things that I like about the new implementation is, is that um, <clears throat> you tell it what the layout is as a separate construct, okay? So it, it doesn't uh, describe the layout for you. You kind of say, hell, I need it to be horizontal or vertical or whatever this new layout is. You you bring that to the table and you attach that to the collection view or the list view too. And <clears throat> that's going to drive how it appears. Um, so there, there, you know, I can't really speak in depth to the APIs and things like that. Uh, the API spec, I believe, is public. If it's not public, I'll make sure it's public uh, because it was supposed to be made public recently. But I, I frankly didn't go look to see that it's actually posted. Um, but uh, we believe it's going to bring a lot of value. Certainly, I mentioned the GitHub issues is a key source of data for us to know that it's uh, something that would be valuable to customers. Um, and you know, talking one on one to people about what what are primary areas of frustration for them, uh, lists is definitely a big one. So we are looking to address all of those things. Um, it's certainly not a magic bullet. Um, but when when this thing is released, I do anticipate that the current list view will be deprecated, and uh, everybody will be encouraged to move to this. Similarly with Shell, you know, we believe it is providing a better experience to people, and uh, that they'll be able to have more success creating cross-platform applications with it. So uh, we'll we'll we won't deprecate you know other things with it, but uh, we'll be driving everybody to use it for sure. So definitely, uh, collection view is is very early on. Um, you know, the spec is just recently made public or will be made public. And uh, so feedback is certainly welcome in it. Um, take a look at how we're addressing some of the key concerns with it. But, you know, as I as I look at the, the bigger groups of issues that we could bring the most value to customers, uh, help them solve some of the key problems that they have or frustrations they have, the, the list view is one of them and the other one is gestures. And sometimes those things have a lot of overlap because a lot of the gesture issues are related to list view issues. Um, they're hard to necessarily uh, you know, pull apart or tease apart and deal with separately. So both of those are areas. Um, I, I have uh, gestures uh, on the roadmap in the near future. Um, so those are key areas that we're going to be pushing for. I don't have any timeframes on how collection view is going to come together. It is being actively worked. Um, so any feedback people have on the spec, I, I definitely encourage you to go there, take a look at it. Um, let us know if you're in support of it. I think that most people would be. <laughs> um, because like I said, you know, everybody's application has it and it can be, you know, for many people, the current list view is perfectly fine. Um, I find that in a lot of my applications, uh, a basic list view or you know, just something with some basic custom renders and things like that, or, or, or it's, it's fine. It, it does well. Um, but you get to a certain place in your application where you're trying to achieve a particular UX or a level of performance uh, with a large amount of data, things like that. And it starts to uh, show its age. Um, and so, yeah, that's what's going on with, with the list view two slash collection view slash whatever our internal awesome names were. Um, but I think, I think it's going to be very well received. We'll, we'll find out. Um, but we've got tons of, tons of customer data behind it to say that this is going to be uh, awesome. Nice. And, and going back to, to what you were saying before of being able to, to kind of split apart the, the contents of, of a list view or a collection view, as, as it were, um, and the, the sort of display and rendering of it. Does, does that tie in at all with uh, any of the flex layout stuff that, that was introduced mm -hmm. in Xamarin Forms 3 or are these separate things? It sounded like there, there might be some parallels there. I, you know, I, I'm certainly in favor of there being some, some uh, relationship here because when I started using the flex layout, um, certainly it, it's all about 
um, spacing and distribution of a collection of items. And right. that's where a lot of its value comes from. And so uh, the fact that there, there currently in, in version one is no item source for it, uh, I was like, oh, I really want that. I mean, I found myself needing it in several key scenarios. That uh, in flex layout, you know, I'm I'm a huge fan of it. It makes personally for me, and again, you know, my personal feelings don't drive everything here, and generally drive nothing. But uh, I find it way more easy to understand than grid. Um, and grid is a, is a great layout that people have been very successful with, and it, and it creates a nice flat layout. So, uh, but the thing is, is I, I said, okay, with list view two, can I attach flex layout as my preferred layout mechanism? And currently that's not in the cards. Um, however, uh, very easy to take flex layout as I did with the build demo for, I think I'm calling it conference vision. If you go up to Microsoft slash conference vision on GitHub, you'll see it. Uh, I adapted a, um, a repeater view that uh, Shane Newville on our team had put together and had it had a gist up for. And I was like, oh, Shane, I need to be able to bind a b- bunch of stuff to my flex layout. Can I use this? He's like, oh, totally. And it was previously using a stack layout as its layout. And so I just extended flex layout and away I went. And uh, so that's a that's certainly an option uh, that people can do with flex layout today um, to get what they want. Uh, but you know, perhaps in the future we'll either add an item source to it, um, or, uh, or maybe it will be a layout. I can convince the team to make a candidate for this new list view collection view. Um, personally, it makes a lot of sense to me, but, uh, we'll have to have conversations about it. So there's a lot of new stuff that we talked about today. Um, and you know, one of the focus that you seem to be having on in, in the developer world in general is just like, you know, how do get people involved, get their feedback um, and take that feedback and shape the future of the product with that. You know, having said that, what's the best way for people to, to sort of get involved, to reach out, to have their voice heard and to kind of be a part of this and make sure that, you know, we're serving everyone's needs as, as best as we can. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my email is always open. I post it just about everywhere that I can. Um, so david.ortnow at microsoft.com. Yeah, and you guys can include that in the show notes as well. Um, I am I am generally on Twitter. Uh, I certainly get more alerts from Twitter on my phone than most uh, things, but I know that Twitter isn't for everybody. Uh, so those are two key ways, um, and certainly through GitHub issues. Um, but generally, I'm not uh, tracking GitHub issues on a daily basis. Uh, the engineering team triages and kind of manages those things. So if you want to talk, uh, you know, focus of the product and things like that, probably email is the best way to get a hold of me. And and absolutely, I am the one to start with. That doesn't mean that I will be the the end all be all conversation point for everything that we we're doing. Um, but it's, it's certainly a very good place to start uh, having conversations. And people reach out to me on a regular basis saying, hey, you know, what are we thinking about? What are you guys thinking about this? How can we be involved with that? And I love that. Um, and I would love to hear from even more people. And uh, certainly no conversation is uh, discouraged. If people want to talk about anything, that would be great. And I have considered from time to time, and and maybe this is something that I will do. I see uh, Jeff, Jeff Huntley um, out in the community doing this. Uh, he posts a link to a, a way that you can schedule basically like a half hour block or a 15 minute block to have a conversation. And perhaps if I can get my schedule untangled from all these uh, different meetings and things like that I have, I could set aside like a two hour thing here and see if people would sign up for that. Um, but I haven't done that yet. So we'll see. But e- email, certainly. Twitter is, is also available. Um, I would start there. 
Right on. Well, uh, we definitely appreciate you coming back on the show to talk about it. It's a shame it took us uh, a year to, <laughs> to get another update, but it just gives you time to actually build up some stuff to talk about. Absolutely. Um, not that there's ever a shortage these days of, of stuff. And we, I could still dedicate a whole episode to just arguing in defense of CSS, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for, for coming on. And this is, uh, this is some awesome stuff you guys have in the works. Thanks for having me, you guys. Anytime. And thanks as always to everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.